Thank you for choosing the Abide College Ministry Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message inspires and challenges you. Now here's a message from one of our leaders, Blake Fine. super excited for what God is continuing to do through our ministry and through the students that are coming to abide. And uh, we're going to continue on in our uh, our journey through the first chapter of Philippians. And last week we talked about this idea of living a life worth remembering. And in this week we are continuing on verses 9 through 11, uh, kind of teaching out of this prayer that Paul is writing for those at Philippi. And he writes this prayer and in, in verse 9 he begins and he says this, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more. And more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for uh, the gospel. Thank you for your message, God. I just pray that, that this message and the people that would be listening would hear this and it would speak something true to their heart and true to their lives, God. We thank you for everything that you're doing through Abide, and I just pray that you would continue to do that. You would continue to move. You would continue to show us your love, God. I just pray that you would be made known, God. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So have you ever done something where where you kind of were like in a relationship, or you were about to be in a relationship, or you began to talk to somebody, and like uh, you would do just about kind of anything to kind of prove to that person that you kind of like them. Okay, so I've done this before, and it's gotten myself into some some situations at times that were not necessarily in my best interest. So for one, one time, I remember I began to talk to this girl. I began to talk to this girl back home when I was I was living in Cordial. For, for people that know me, I, I am from Cordial, Georgia, which is a small town uh, in the south, and I began to talk to this girl, and uh, I kind of liked this girl, and I remember her saying, hey, let's go, uh, let's go to the fair, and the, the state fair, the, the state fair is in Perry, uh, Georgia, and that's about 30 minutes from me, so, so we made this trip, and I was like, sure, I'll do it, and, and here's the thing, if you know me, if you know me, you know that I am not a fan of roller coasters, you know, I just don't think that, I just don't think they're of the Lord, I don't think they're, they're what God wants for me in my life, and like, I can't deal with roller coasters, but the thing was, I really liked this girl, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to suck it up, I'm going to go, so we made the decision to go to the Perry Fair. We get to the fair, and we get in line for this ride, and we're sitting there waiting to get on this ride, and I see this ride that is is like swinging back and forth, and back and forth, and I just am kind of like sitting there, kind of freaking out, because I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this, I don't know if this is like something that I really want to do, but like this girl is here, and I kind of like her, and like I don't want to look like a sissy, and so I um I decided, I was like, okay, let's just do this, I'm going to get on the ride, so we're in line, we're waiting, I'm about to get on this ride, and I'm just like, kind of like getting really nervous and anxious, and I am really in a spot where it's like, either you're going to get on the ride, and you're going to suck it up and do it, or you're not, so I decided, okay, I get on the ride, and it's one of those rides where you, you get on, and I sit down, right, I'm sitting down in the ride, and they pull the thing over, they strap you in, you get ready, and like, I'm a little guy, and so like, the there was enough room still for the, like, the the thing that was pulled over to me moved kind of back and forth, which kind of freaked me out a little bit. And so we begin to get on this ride, and this ride begins to spin first, and then it begins to swing back and forth and back and forth. And at first I'm kind of like, okay, I can handle this. This ain't a big deal. It isn't. It ain't getting that high. And then it got higher and higher. And I remember, like, I'm literally in my mind, I'm, like, freaking out because my phone is in my pocket, and it feels like it's going to fall out, but then I'm also kind of scared because I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like something bad is about to happen. And so, like, I am freaking 
out, okay? And so, like, in my mind, I begin to pray. I'm like, God, if you get me out of this, I will go to Africa. I will be a missionary. I'll do whatever you, like, Lord, just get me out of this situation. And, like, in my mind, I'm praying, but out loud, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I know this girl right next to me, she had to have heard everything that I was saying. And so I was freaking out. And I'm on this ride, and eventually, you know, I got off the ride, and, like, I was fine. I was fine. I got off the ride, and I'm pretty sure that, like, she had to have heard me because we we stopped talking not long after that, so maybe that's why that happened. But what's funny about that story is this right here, is that, like, that's kind of silly, but I think all of us have, in a moment, come to a place where we've asked of God for something. We've prayed to God for something. We have gone to God with something that we need or something that we want, and we pray. And, like, if you were to ask, like, if I were to ask everyone here in the room, like, if you've prayed before, you would lift your hand, you would raise your hand and say, yes, I've I've prayed before, like the statistic is this, 6 out of 10 Americans, if you were to ask, 6 out of 10 Americans would say that they pray. 6 out of 10, that's like a large amount of people would say that they've prayed, and like that's something that I think we all have done, that's something that we all do, but, but oftentimes I think our prayers are a reflection of ourselves rather than a reflection of something greater. Like think about it, like how often do you pray something and the prayer is focused and centered on you? That's, that's very common in my life, and I know that's very common in probably many of your lives. And so, so when we pray, oftentimes I think there's several reflections of ourselves within those prayers. And the first idea is this, that, that oftentimes prayers are a reflection of our own desires. Like the things that we want, the things that we want to see happen. So, for instance, like you pray, I want to, I want to, God, just help me get an A on this test. Or, God, let that girl notice me. Or, or some of the girls, I know they probably have prayed for their husbands. Like, I know some of y'all have prayed for your husbands. Like, that's a reflection of your own desires. That's a reflection of the things that you want. Not only that, we, we pray, and the, the second idea is this, that we pray out of a reflection of our own obligations. Like, it's interesting, like, if you live in the South, and you go, uh, you go to church on Sunday, every afternoon, if you go in to lunch, every man in the South prays the same prayer. And it's like this, this prayer, like, obligation, right? Like, when you pray over food, more often than not, we pray and bless the food because we feel like we have to. Like, this is the prayer. Dear Lord, please bless the food to the nourishment of our body. Like, that's the thing that we do. And that's like, it's this obligation that we do, or we pray because we feel like we have to, or we pray because we feel like we haven't done it in a while. And so that reflects this, this self-obligation that we feel like we have when we're praying. It's a reflection of our own obligation. It's not a reflection of our prayers to God, but it's a reflection of ourselves. And this, this last kind of reflection, I think, is the most common, and I think it's the most uh, normal. Uh, we pray out of a reflection of our emotions and our circumstances. Like, we pray when we're in a hard spot. We're in a situation that we aren't enjoying. We're in a situation that we don't like. Man, it's easy to go to God. It's easy to go to Him and say, man, I need something right now. It's easy to go to Him and say, God, help me. This is interesting. Uh, on 9-11, the weekend of 9-11, there was a church in New York City. And this church, uh, on those Sundays, it averaged about 2,600. So 2,600 people would go to their, their weekend services on Sunday. And the weekend after 9-11 happened in New York City, their attendance went from 2,600 to 5,500. It shot up almost 3,000 people. And that's, that's crazy to think about. But it's, it's so true that people go to God and pray to God and ask from God. And they want something from God in the midst of hard circumstances. But what if instead, what if instead our prayers were not prayers that reflected ourselves, but our prayers laid a foundation, and our prayers had a hope 
for something that would sustain us in the midst of our wants and in the midst of our circumstances. That our prayers would hope for something greater in our lives and something that would sustain us. See, our prayers, I believe this, our prayers should hope for something in our lives and faith and in the lives of the faith of people around us. See, tonight, Paul writes this prayer to those at Philippi. And this prayer, I believe, has this great hope for something for those at Philippi. Not only for Philippi, but for those in Philippi and those also, also Paul's life himself. And the bottom line of the message tonight is this right here. Meaningful prayer hopes for a greater love that results in a God-glorifying life. Meaningful prayer hopes for a greater love, a love that is, is growing, and out of this will be a result in a life that is glorifying to God, a life that is seeking and chasing God, and a life that shows people that you are in worship of a God who loves you with your life. And Paul writes this prayer to those at Philippi out of this affection and out of this care and love he has for those at Philippi. And I think that for us tonight, there should be this hope for this prayer in our lives that we would have a growing love that results in a God-glorifying life for, for our lives. But we should also hope this for the people around us and for the people in our community. And I want to ask you the question tonight, what is your hope and your prayer for yourself and the people around you? What is, what is the prayer that you have? What is the foundation that you're laying of your faith? And what, what is your hope? For yourself in your own walk and in your own faith, but also in the faith and in the lives of the people around you. So, so meaningful prayer. It hopes for this first idea, a greater love. Like there's this beginning in this prayer that Paul writes in verse 9. He says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Paul opens up with this prayer with this hope of an abounding growth in our love. Paul wants to see your love grow. Paul, Paul is writing those to Philippi, and I think he also hopes this for himself, that, man, I want my love to grow, I want your love to grow, I want it to be this increasing thing. And the question that I kind of ask myself is this, like, why does love matter? Why is love important? Why is love something I should care about? Why? Because love is important to God. That, that our love and the way that we live our lives and the way that we love people and the way that we love His world and His creation and the things around us, the way that we love is important to God. And so, so Paul here, he's writing, he says, I want your love to abound. I want your love to grow. I want your love to be greater. And I believe this even more so that God, God Himself would be reflected in our lives by how large our love is. Like, like about how large we love the world around us, how much we care for the people that are in our lives, how much we care for the people that are hurting. When we love, we are reflecting to them a God that is greater, a God that is better. And it shows that we have a love in the midst of our wants, in the midst of seasons we don't understand, and it shows them that we trust in a God that is greater than all of those things, and our love reflects that to those people. See, our love matters to God. And what I want us to understand, I think we get, this, we get this kind of complicated sometimes when we come to church. We do a bunch of things. We come to church. We serve. We, we, we pray. We lift our arms and worship. But those things themselves are not love. And I think oftentimes we come to church thinking that those things are love and loving God. But those things are out of love. So you see, if we love God, we do those things. Love is the source and the motivating thing that drives us to do the things that we do by serving, coming to church, praying, whatever those things may be. But those things themselves are not love. I'll illustrate it like this. If you, if you were to take a, a girl to dinner, guys, if you were to take a girl to dinner and you were to uh, take her out 
You ordered food. You said, hey, you can get whatever you want. You tuck the chair in. You sit there. But the whole time you were there, you're looking on your phone. You're not talking to her. You're just kind of looking around. What do you think she's going to do? You don't think she's going to be like, oh, this is so sweet. No, she's going to be like, what are you doing, bro? Like, this is, this is great. What are you doing? You're not even paying any attention to me. And if you were to respond to her with this and be like, well, I mean, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? You probably wouldn't have another date with that girl because here's the thing. I think we treat our relationship with God in the same way and our love for God in the same way. We think that loving God is doing a bunch of things, but loving God is pursuing him. And out of our pursuit of him, we serve we care, and our love grows. So love matters. And the greater your love is, then the greater you are motivated to follow Jesus. That love that you have for God, because of the love that is growing for God, you say, oh, I want to follow Jesus better. I want to chase Jesus better. Why? Because my love for God is growing as I pursue him and as I chase him. I want to love him better, so I want my love to grow. Paul begins, he says, hey, I want your love to abound more and more. Well, he wants our love to grow. And, and the interesting thing here is that it's kind of a hard thing to do because when I think about my life, I think about the people that I deal with sometimes, and I think, like, man, my love is kind of topped out, dude. Like, I don't know if it can grow anymore. I don't think I can, I can do this. But Paul gives us a perfect instruction as to how our love will grow. And he begins, and in the second half of this verse, he says, it will abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. I want your love to abound more and more. Those are two words, more and more with knowledge and discernment. So the first thing is this, this idea, how does our love grow? I think that firstly, it's our, our love grows out of knowledge and then discernment, right? Paul writes that here. When I was uh, in, in summer of 2016, I went to New York City. And as I was in New York City, uh, right before I left, I had planted this garden. And this garden that I planted, uh, I had like dug up the dirt and I would go out every day. I would water it. I would um, make sure it had fertilizer, it had an insecticide. I would do all these different things to make sure that this garden was was growing the way it needed to, right? And so it, it's, it's there, it begins to blossom, it begins to look good. And I remember, like, man, I was kind of proud of this garden. And I was like, wow, this is, like, really cool. And, like, um, it's there. And right before I leave, I remember telling my mom, I was like, Mom, okay, now I'm leaving to go to New York. I left on June 20th, and so I had about a month and a half of me kind of working on this garden. And uh, I had planted it and whatnot. And I remember telling my mom, I'm like, Mom, okay, I'm leaving, but I need you to make sure I wa- you water the, the garden so that it'll, it'll continue to grow so it won't die. And I remember, like, my mom every once in a while when I was in New York City, she would send me these photos of the garden. I was like, hey, cool. And, like, she would send me pictures every once in a while and be like a tomato and things like that. I was like, nice. I've, I'm, I got this garden growing. And then I remember after a little bit, my mom quit sending me photos, and I began to think, my mom, she probably thinks I forgot, but I didn't forget now. Like, and so I remember calling her. I was like, Mom, so what's up with my garden? You ain't sent me any photos in a little bit. Like, what's going on? Like, I, I'm not really happy about this. Like, and so she, I remember saying, like, well, I, I went to your grandparents' house for the weekend. And, like, um, yeah, I, I wasn't able to water it. And I was like, so you're saying my garden's dead? And she was like, yeah. And my garden was dead. And so when I got home, this thing was went from looking beautiful to dead. And what's interesting is what a garden needs to grow is sunlight care, and it needs water, and it needs the things that it needs to grow, and I think for us, Paul writes, he says, I want your love to abound more and more. The, the water and sunlight that grows our love, just like that garden, is, is knowledge and discernment, so that if our love is going to grow, it will grow with knowledge and discernment as a thing 
that it needs to grow. And so knowledge, what is knowledge? It's simply to just have a better understanding. Knowledge is just to have a, a better understanding of something. The way that love within our faith grows is by a knowledge. I love this quote by Ben Stewart. It says this, love always seeks knowledge about the beloved. Love always seeks knowledge about the beloved. And so if love within our faith is what grows uh, by a knowledge of God, love always seeks knowledge of the beloved. When you are looking to love something more, or as you are loving something better, you seek to know more about it. If you're in a relationship, and I'm in a relationship with a girl, and I care about her, and I love her, and I want to be there for her, but the moments that I've begun to love her more is when I've began to know more and more about her, that I want to know the things that she cares about, the things that she likes, the things that she doesn't like. Why? Because my, my, my love for her is there, and my love grows out of a knowledge of her. And I think even a more beautiful example of this is that how did God seek to know you personally? Now, I'm not saying that God didn't know of you, but how did God seek to know you personally? He sent Jesus to die so that there would be an ability for us to be in personal relationship with God and personally know God. And that is a perfect example of love-seeking knowledge of the beloved. Love seeks out knowledge. And so if our love is going to grow, it's got to have knowledge. And Paul here, he's writing of a, a spiritual knowledge, a knowledge of God that results in a growing love because God is love. First John, it says this, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Listen to this, because God is. God is love. So the moment that you begin to, to pursue knowledge of God, to, to seek out who he is and his character and his attributes and what he's doing, what he has done, what he will do, when you're seeking out the knowledge of God, you are at the same time in a parallel way seeking out knowledge of love because God is love. John writes it here. Hey, God is love. God is the literal being of love. If you are able to put God into a person and, and, and love into a person, that is who he is. That God is the literal being of love. And that's such a beautiful thing that that is the God that we worship. The God that is love is who we worship and that our love grows by a knowledge of him and a pursuit of him. And so for us tonight, are we pursuing that God? Are we seeking out a knowledge of him? Because if we do that out of a knowledge of who he is, the love in us will grow because it is inevitable that the more we know of God, the more we know of love. And when we begin to know God, we begin to know how he views people, how he cares about people, how he loves people. And then we do the same how we love people will be the way that God loves people. That is what grows our love. It's a knowledge of God and an understanding that God is love. So for our love to grow, we must know God and seek a knowledge of God. And I would ask you this question. Are you seeking God? Are you seeking to know God? And if you have this lack of love, and, and there are times in my life where I'm struggling to love people the way that I need to love them, and, and the reason that is is because I am not pursuing a knowledge of who God is and what God's love is about. That is, that is the thing that I struggle with a lot of times in my life, and it's because I'm not seeking to know God. And, and, and Paul writes it in this prayer. He says, hey, meaningful prayer, it's going to hope for a greater love. And if you're not seeking a knowledge of God, you won't have a greater love. And for me, like, do I continually seek no God? Seek and know God? Like, do I know God more than I did three months ago? Oftentimes, I, I know I'm not. Do I know God more than I did two weeks ago? Am I pursuing God consistently? Because the more I know of God, the more I know of love. And out of that, I can live the life that he has called me. 
to live. And so our, our love first grows by knowledge. And then what does Paul write in the second part of this verse? Knowledge and discernment. Discernment is simply this. Discernment is taking information and turning it into good decisions. It's taking the information that we know of God and then make decisions based off of that. Here's an example of bad discernment. So if you've seen the movie The Sandlot, all right, so when I was growing up, my neighborhood friend group was that exactly like that. We lived in this neighborhood where um, it was me and all my friends, right? And and my friend's uh, house, they were all around this neighborhood, and then my, my best friend's grandmother's house was at the middle of this neighborhood. And so on Saturdays and the weekends or, or during the summer breaks, we would go to my friend's grandmother's house, and she had this big yard, and we'd play football, baseball. We'd get into all sorts of stuff. We'd go ding-dong ditch. We'd do all these different things, right? And so we would go uh, to her house, and one of the cool things that we had, which she shouldn't have let us have, was this golf cart, all right? So we had this golf cart, and it wasn't super nice golf cart, right? And so, like, uh, we would, like, drive around on this golf cart all over the neighborhood doing all sorts of stupid stuff. I remember there would be some times where we would, uh, we would fill up water guns, and we would drive by, like, uh, dogs in their backyard and shoot them with the water guns. And then we would drive off because it would be hilarious, and, like, these dogs would freak out. And, and so we would do a lot of stupid things on this golf cart. And one, of the time, uh, one of the things we did, this is the story of bad discernment, uh, we knew this golf cart wasn't super nice, and it could easily be broken. It could easily uh, break down. And so the way my friend's grandmother's driveway was set up was like one part of the driveway was kind of uh, in the ground. And so there was a space between one side of the driveway and the other where you could, we could jump it with bikes. And so we were wondering, could we do the same thing with the golf cart? And so what we did, we got all the golf cart all the way on the other side of the yard, and we had one kid in the driver's seat, and the rest of us were behind the golf cart, and we began to push the the golf cart towards this spot where we thought if we got it fast enough he would get some air and so I remember us driving this thing and out of nowhere it just smashes the ground when it goes up into the air and we could not get this golf cart to run and so what we did is we just rolled it back into the driveway and we never told her that is an example of bad discernment an example of taking information knowing that the golf cart wasn't good and making a bad decision and make and doing that that is, that is what discernment is. And for us, when we're seeking God, we're being able to look and understand the things about God and what he loves and making decisions in our life based on his love. We love God out of this, seeking to know him. And when we do that, we make decisions based on what we know, what he loves and what he likes. When you have a relationship with friends or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever, you, you seek to know them and you know the things that they like and what they dislike, what they care for, what they don't care for. And you make decisions based off of those things. And you make decisions that are not going to um, make them angry or make them mad at you or, or whatever. You're going to make decisions that you would hope would please them and make your relationship better. And God calls us to do the same thing, that if our love grows, we take this knowledge and this information of learning from God and then turning that into good decisions. And discernment, it just simply answers the question of what is best in your life. It answers the question of what is best. Like for you tonight, there's some of you that you're trying to make all the decisions based on your own discernment and the knowledge of yourself and the things that you want. And it's a burden on your life because you're trying to figure out in your life right now what is best for me. When God simply is saying, pursue me, know what I love, and make decisions based on who I am, and I'll take that burden because decision and discernment based on the knowledge and the information we get from God, man, he'll make the decisions for you, and he'll take you way further than you could ever take yourself on your own. 
That is what discernment is. And, and are you seeking to discern what's best in your life out of, out of a love for God? And ultimately, our love, it, it grows from those two things. The first thing is knowledge, and the second thing is discernment. Out of a knowledge of God, we know what he loves, and then our love for him begins to grow. And then a reflection in our lives of the love that is growing in us is our discernment and living that out daily. So our knowledge, Paul here writes, he says, my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. So ultimately, our love grows, a greater love, meaningful prayer hopes for a greater love. And this greater love grows by our knowledge of God and the decisions we make based off of that. And then the second half of this, uh, this verses and our point tonight is that meaningful prayer hopes for a greater love. And then it says that results in a God-glorifying life. Paul continues on in these last two verses. He says, So that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, and filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. See, our love of God that grows by, by a knowledge and discernment will result in a God-glorifying life. And I believe this is what we do. We glorify God out of our lives in two ways. Seeking to be pure and blameless and being filled with the fruit of righteousness. We seek to be pure and blameless. Like some of us tonight, we're holding on to some things that God wants us to let go of. Things that are keeping us from being pure and blameless. Things that are keeping us from being what God has called us to be. Some sin in our lives that we need to let go of. And I know that someone in this room tonight, you're thinking about it because it just clicked with you. And the thing that you're holding on to is keeping you from being in this greater love and being in this God-glorifying life. And God is saying, and Paul is praying, and he's hoping for us, and my hope for you tonight, that your God-glorifying life would be first by you letting go of some of the things in your life that you've been holding on to. God wants to take those things from you. God wants to take those things and make your life a lot better without them. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a sin, whatever it may be. God wants you to let go of that. God wants to strip those things from you so that you can just focus wholly on him and his goodness, his mercy, and his love. I've seen God change the lives of people around me in ways that I can't imagine. I've seen God change the life of my dad from a man that used to be uh, an alcohol addict and a a drug addict, that, that God changed his life. And I believe that he's continually changing his life. Why? Because he's seeking to be pure and blameless. And that love and that knowledge of God will do that. When we, when we glorify God, we seek to be pure and blameless. So that when we are in front of Christ one day, at the end of all things, he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have done what I called you to do. And that is the first way that, that we glorify God, that, that this greater love results in a God-glorifying life. Because we love God so much that we would seek to be pure and blameless before him, not making mistakes, but we would want to glorify him with our lives. So we seek to be pure and blameless. And then we are also to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. And the fruits of righteousness are just the results of seeking to be pure and blameless where we grow in our patience, we grow in our kindness, we grow in our love, we grow in the hope that we have for the people around us because we have a gospel in us that can change the world around us. We have a gospel in us that can change the world around us. And when we do that, we live that out daily. And these all things come from Jesus. The end of this, it says, and all these things come through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. We receive from Jesus all these gifts. We receive from Jesus a faith. We receive from Jesus a gospel. But what do we do if we just receive it and we don't give it out? What if we just receive and keep it to ourselves? What good does that do? We have been called to be the gospel to the world around us. And that is what God wants for you in your life tonight, to let go of some things, but to also take on the fruits of righteousness and live that out to the people around you. We need to receive and give, receive and give. I'm receiving grace and I'm giving grace. I'm receiving mercy and I'm giving mercy. 
I'm receiving righteousness and I'm giving righteousness. I'm receiving love and I'm giving love because that is what the gospel is all about, receiving something, but also giving it to the brokenhearted and the people that need it the most. This is what we have to be, that we have to hope in our prayers and for the people around us that there would be a greater love growing in their lives and that this would result in a God-glorifying life. And in all of life, we seek to give that back to God. That is, that is my hope for us tonight. That is my hope for us that we would do that. That the, that the foundation that we laid in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our wants, that regardless if we have or do not have those things, that there is this foundation of a greater love that is growing in us and a God-glorifying life that we're living out that is laid down in our lives. And that is my hope for us. And that is the hope that I have for our life, my life. And that is the hope that Paul has for those at Philippi. And he writes this letter with this prayer. It's a hopeful prayer. A hopeful prayer that hopes for a greater love that results in a God-glorifying life. Are you living that out? Do you live with this prayerful hope for others and yourself that there would be a a growth of a greater love for God in your life and resulting in a God-glorifying life? What would your life look like if you began to live that out? If you're not living that out, if that's not your hope, if that's not your prayer, what would that look like tonight? What would that look like for your life? I think it would, I think it would change a lot, of us, a lot of us. I think it would change me if that was, that was something that I continually pursued, something that I continually sought out, something that I continually seeked. That is what we have to hope for. And what if, what if we all did that? What if this community of people, the community and the body of Christ, every person had this hopeful prayer that laid a foundation that we were growing in our love and living a God-glorifying life? We would change the world around us, and there would be no stopping the body of Christ moving and being what we were called to do. See, this prayer, it's not a here's how to pray, but this is the hope at the end of our faith and at the end of our prayers that there would be a greater love growing in us. And this love would grow in us so much so that we lived it out, and this resulted in a God-glorifying life. Are you living that out? Are you praying that? Are you hoping that for yourself? Because that is what God has called us to. That is what God hopes for us, and I believe tonight that is the prayer that we should live out daily, and that is the prayer that we should hope for for ourselves and for the world around us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your message. Thank you for your love. I just pray that you would be made known, that you would be glorified. God, I pray that we would have a growing love in us, and this would result in a God-glorifying life. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.